When's the last time you told a lie? I'm not. We're not gonna let you off the hook. The way I grew up, we told so many lies. Just trying to get a moment of normalcy, like going to Burger King. If we told the truth, we would get in trouble. And it was really scary. Let's start with a basic question. Julie, when do you think it's ever a good time to lie? I think it would be a good time to lie Let's if I had to protect my family. And so if there was someone at the door who wanted to come in and hurt us, and they said, are your children in here? I would definitely lie and say, I don't have any kids. Okay, can you get in a bit deeper into that um, situation? Because it is a lie, but it's okay because I might be saving somebody's life with a lie. So other than that, lying is never good. Hmm. Sometimes I would have to lie to a child if it's something really super sad and they asked me a sad question. I just didn't want them to, to know the sadness of the earth, of humanity too soon. So it doesn't break their heart too early. They're too young to have a broken heart. So lying is usually prohibited. Usually. Lying is a way to maintain control over a situation at the moment. Like, I want to pretend that things are going my way the way I want them to go. But if I lie, it never helps. Like, if I lie, I have to remember my lie later so I can back it up with another lie that supports the lie. And if I never tell a lie, I have less to remember. Let me tell you a little story, you guys, um, about lying. Now, Grandpa, my dad, is one of my favorite people and a virtuous guy. Worked hard his entire life and never paused to think of his own feelings. It was always helping other people to this day. Matter of fact, there's an episode coming up about him because he's planted thousands of trees and we're gonna to talk to him about that. But I wanna tell you a story about the one time that I'm aware of that Grandpa told a lie. girls take full credit for this episode in which Dana asked the question, why do we lie? And they interviewed their mom. That was the first voice that you heard. Other voices in this episode include advice columnist, novelist, and memoirist Cheryl Strayed, and our friend Katie Hughes, as we come up with some surprising answers to the question, why do we lie? First, this story about my dad. We went to a dinner party, and maybe three families there. Maybe there were 12, 15 people there. And after dinner, I went upstairs, and I was playing with Legos with some of the other kids. I think I was in fourth grade. We go upstairs, the kids and I are playing, and I hear a voice. It's my mom calling up the stairs. She says, Jimmy, it's time to go. Um, your dad just got a call from the paging service, and he's got to go into the hospital. He's a doctor. It's an emergency at the hospital. He's got to go work. So I come down to the bottom of the stairs into the dining room. And I stand there at the entrance of the dining room where all the adults are sitting there talking. And I say, but dad, don't you remember that you called the paging service this afternoon and told them to page you just before 8 o'clock? Oh, dad. <laughs> you totally busted him. It was true. He had called. It was incredibly embarrassing for him. But the truth is, since my parents don't drink, 
after dinner, it was time to go, and it gave them an easy out. But there's probably better ways of doing it than that, and I think he knows that now. But they wanted to get home so we could watch the John Denver special. Oh, Dad! <laughs> That's true. But to this day, my parents, your grandparents, don't believe me that I didn't bust him on purpose, that I didn't do this out of malice, out of childhood malice. What? They think. What? So you're in third grade now. Uh-huh. We're not trying to rebel against our father. I know. Well, no, you never have. But let's say this happened next year when you're a little older and a little wiser and you overheard me calling to arrange for uh, an out from something. Would you announce loudly in front of a group of adults? or would I you... would probably forget and I wouldn't do it. I might whisper it to you afterwards. But, but you'd be sly enough? <laughs> yeah. I think you just forgot about it. You had to go because of that and I had heard you talking about it in the kitchen. I would just think you'd forgotten about that. And you would remind me. From the stairs, right? Maybe not in front of everybody, like, afterwards. <laughs> okay. But I'm not as cool as you, or savvy, so I didn't have the sophistication to wait until after we had left. I was having too much fun upstairs playing Legos, and I didn't want to leave. But one thing I didn't do is I didn't do it on purpose. You hear that? Yeah. Mom, Dad, it didn't bust you on purpose. Anyway, I blew their cover that's because you had a big mouth. <laughs> and very little judgment. <laughs> I think I've taught you something important. You don't want to get up at somebody's house and say, this is really boring company, because it would hurt them, but that's the truth. So you make a gentler escape. <laughs> and you thought that I did it because... Purposely. On purpose. Because you wanted to stay, because you were playing with the kids. Accident. He didn't know that you guys were trying to escape. He knew. He knew he's not that dumb. No, he didn't. He's not that dumb. He didn't. Well, it's good that you support him. Well, I gave you credit for being a pretty bright kid, but maybe you didn't know. <laughs> maybe you were a ninny. <laughs> what? You guys believe me, right? Yeah, I believe you totally. I'm not the kind of person who writes letters to advice columnists, but I have so much respect for Dear Sugar that I almost wrote the hosts, Cheryl Strait and Steve Almond, a letter about this exact issue. Fortunately, instead, Cheryl was willing to come to us. Somewhere at the beginning of Wild, Cheryl Strait's memoir about finding truth and finding herself on the Pacific Crest Trail and a lot of other stuff, she loses one of her boots into a ravine. And so rather than carrying around this useless other boot, she chucks it also into the ravine. Cheryl paid a visit to the Rome School camper van and shared some unexpected thoughts about lying with us. Okay, what, can you tell me why you're making this particular podcast? Why are you interested in this topic of deception and lies? Um, I don't know. I just find lies to be an interesting thing that we do that a lot of the time we have no reason to. What's the first lie that you remember telling? I'm sorry, Dad. I <laughs> ate ice starbursts when you told me not to. <laughs> but then did you lie about it? I told him I didn't eat it. You said I didn't eat it. Okay. The first lie that I was aware of of her was when I asked her if she brushed her teeth when it was just me and her in New York, and she said she brushed her teeth, and then I went in, and, and the whole bathroom was bone dry. Mm, My okay. kids 
lie about the toothbrushing a lot. I have kids who are 12 and 13, and to this day, I'll go in sometimes and touch their toothbrush to test. Sadly, I have to do that. I remember being your age and grappling with this idea because adults are always telling kids not to lie, even though adults lie a lot, right? So we pretend it's black and white when it's actually very gray. This perfect, what she's saying, plays right into the questions you came up with. Who You have the first one, right? Uh, I thought she did. Okay. Oh, I will. Okay, Varn. Is it a fact that every single person has told a lie? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Without question. Do you think it is ever okay to lie? Yes, I do think it's sometimes okay to lie. And that goes against that deeper, larger value I have, which is about honesty and transparency. But another value I have is kindness. And so in my mind, when really the lie isn't going to cause somebody negative consequences in the long run, and it's going to be the kindest thing to do, I think that it's okay to lie. Let's say you went to a friend's art show at a gallery, and you thought the paintings were awful. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you walk around, and your friend is there and excited about this opening. You're not going to walk up to your friend and say, you know, I think your paintings are awful, but thank you for inviting me. What you'll say instead is, wow, such interesting work. It's so great to see what you've done. And you, you affirm them. And it's, it's kind of a lie because you're pretending that you're admiring the work when really what you're doing is loving the person. And can you keep working on your lines, please? <laughs> And just keep working on this because it's so good. I can't wait to see what you do next. Keep working. <laughs> you really did that painting. That's right. Well, and so you. We forget that kindness, I think, is, is every much of value as honesty, I think. And so I think kindness matters. And so we're always weighing kindness against truth. Billy Joel would disagree. Right. <laughs> well, you got to interview Billy Joel then. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Dad, can I say something about what might be okay for lying too? Yeah, give. What do you think? Like, if you're doing a surprise party for somebody and the person asks anything interesting going on, and you say no to that, because mm -hmm. oh, absolutely, and that's a temporary lie. Yeah, because the truth, when they get to the party or they open the present, they'll be like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll, it was a temporary lie. Yeah. Why did you take this big trip that the book Wild is about? Because I was in a very sad, hard time of my life. My mom had died really young when she was 45, and I was 22. And I didn't know what to do without my mom, and I didn't have a dad. And so I did what a lot of people do when they're hurt. They try to find things that make them feel better. And I made some choices that I thought were things that were going to make me feel better, but they actually made me sadder. And I had a moment in my life where I, I looked, I sort of looked inward and thought, I need to change my life. I know how to be strong and happy because I know that that's who I am inside. I had to go find my strength and my joy. And so I decided, I thought, well, what, where do I feel strong and happy? And the answer to that is when I am in the wilderness and when I'm doing things that challenge me physically and challenge me spiritually and emotionally and all the aspects of, of who we are. And there's no better way to do that than to go into the woods and go backpacking. And I knew I had to go by myself because it was a really important part of 
this choice for me to only rely on myself. What were the a thousand things that you got rid of? The emotional baggage you got rid of when you hiked. <laughs> the thousand things I got rid of? Oh my goodness. I got rid of, well, I got rid of some actual things that I thought that I needed at the beginning that I found that I didn't need, like a saw. <laughs> it turned out I didn't need to cut down a tree. I just needed to, you know, I needed the bare minimum when I was hiking. I realized, first of all, that there would be some things I could never get rid of. Things like sorrow, just my sorrow that my mom wasn't going to ever be in my life. But but what I learned is that it didn't have to be a burden. It could be a, a blessing. And that's one of the most powerful things I think I've learned in my life. And hiking's taught me that. But other things have too, where, you're, you know, your your curses do turn into your blessings if you allow them to be. And so I let go of my rage and my sense of that sort of inner turmoil that I was going to be somebody who you know, couldn't live without my mom. And I decided that I'd be somebody who could and would. And, you know, somebody who would put the full force of everything I had into to, to goodness in the world rather than destroying myself. And what's really pa- uh, sort of paradoxical about that is, as I was in some ways lightening my load, really what I was doing is learning how to carry it. Because we all do have to carry our lives. The good things and the bad things, the beautiful things, the ugly things, they belong to us. And, and we have the capacity to carry them. We have to sometimes go on a long journey to learn how. You weren't just throwing them off the cliff like the boot. No. Like the un- one unneeded boot that you had. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Another thing that you didn't mention just now, but I know was a part of this emotional baggage, as mm. Dana aptly put it, and getting back to the lying issue. Right. You were carrying some guilt about infidelity oh, yeah. in your first marriage to Paul. Absolutely. And how did that play out? I know he became a friend and he yeah. became a big supporter. How did those lies get put behind you? How'd you carry them? Yeah, well, that, it's so fascinating when we think about the life of a lie. Um, and in particular, that lie that I told my ex-husband, who I loved very much and, you know, really genuinely loved him. Um, and I told him a lie because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And I also didn't want to have to face the consequences of my actions. So I thought, if I conceal these actions, nothing will happen to me and I won't hurt his feelings. And that almost never works in the end, Mm -hmm. as I bet your dad knows too. In the end, (laughs) somebody's going to find the Starburst (laughs) wrapper. And so I decided one day that I had to tell him the truth. I undid the lies and sure enough, it hurt him. And not only did it hurt him, it hurt him more than it would have if I had told him the truth from the beginning. Um, but what happened is we we healed together. And, and ultimately, what was the most interesting aspect of the lie to me is how, in the end, I was the person most hurt by my lie. And here's why. It wasn't his punishment of me that caused me the most grief. It was my punishment of myself because I was ashamed of the way I acted. Okay. Is there a situation when you wished you had not told the truth? Oh, that is a great question. 
Let me think about it. I don't have an answer to that. Have I ever regretted telling the truth? I don't know. I, that's a stumper. I don't think so. Yeah. I think that that's a good message to, to, to give us, though, like that it's... It leads me into a question that I have uh, and that I would write to Dear Sugar, and that is I, I know that there are moments when people have told me things. Like there was a, there's a woman, and she's actually passed away now, so I can, I can say this without her ever hearing it and feeling bad about it, but she didn't like the way that I sang. And she said, you got to totally rethink the way that you sing. And I thought it was really good advice. Rethink the way that you sing. Great advice. But she always said, I'm so sorry I said that. I shouldn't have said that. It was the best truth I had ever heard, but she regretted ever saying that to me. Right. And As she should have. See, that seems, <laughs> that seems unkind to me. Especially, it depends on the context. Did but, she just come up to you and say, you know, I don't really like the way you sing. I think you well, should. Yeah, it was weird because she was, it was one of these things where she was on truth meds. She was on cancer medication. So mm-hmm. she, she came out with this truth that was very hurtful me, to me at that moment. It, it yeah. hurt a lot. But then it made me really think, like, wow, it's interesting that there's this moment of truth. And this woman loves me. Yeah. And she means the best. She's not articulate enough in this moment to say, hey, can you sign up for <laughs> lessons or something? But why she, the reason she regretted it, it was that, again, that collision of kindness and truth. She went to truth, but then she regretted that she didn't go for kindness. But in your answer, you said in the long term, kindness, kindness in the long term. And I think in the long term, that's one of my favorite things she ever said to me. And there are certain people who really have the job of telling you the truth, even though it hurts your feelings. Like my editor, you know, when my editor reads my books, she sends me, you know, long notes that make me feel terrible <laughs> and but then I'm glad she did because she's actually saying I believe in you and this isn't as good as you can be yeah and then she helps me she we talk it out and I go back to the drawing board and I make it better are people naturally dishonest or honest ah you guys are asking hard questions I think both I think that when we're born, we tell the truth. As you grow older, you learn how to to lie, to be kind to people, or to be considerate of people. Um, But then sometimes we learn that too well. And I'll tell you this, one thing, girls, as females in this culture, you will be trained, you probably have already started to be trained by the culture, to be very nice to everyone and be very pleasing to everyone. And so sometimes you won't tell the truth. Um, because you'll be afraid of hurting somebody's feelings or offending them. So you'll be afraid to say, no, I don't want to do that thing with you, or I don't want to smile at you, or I don't, you know, to to even say no is in some ways um, a kind of honesty that a lot of women are afraid of saying. The sooner you can learn how to trust the power that honesty brings into your life, the better off you're going to be. Why do you think we lie? I think we lie for so many different reasons. Some of them are things I talked about, like we don't want to hurt other people's feelings. We don't want to deal with the consequences of the truth. Also, I think we lie sometimes because we're really ashamed um, and we don't want other people to know the truth because it embarrasses us. I think sometimes we lie because we want other people to think good things about us. For example, do people lie because they want people to like them? Oh, yes. that That's a really good one, Vern. Especially for me when I was younger. Let me tell you the, the craziest lie, which is, which is one of the first lies I ever told. So I grew up poor, okay? And I didn't grow up in a house where anyone went to college or any of that stuff. But I, I was always a smart kid, and I was always an ambitious kid. And I knew that I wanted to go to college. And I knew that I envied 
you know, like kids who had more things than me. And so one time I went to visit my grandparents uh, who had more money than my family did. And they lived next door to these these boys who were like our my age and my sister's age. And we were playing with them. And they were talking about how they were going to get to go to college and kind of mocking me and my sister because they assumed we weren't going to. And so I said, you know, actually... I am going to get to go to college. And also, my college is already paid for. Because when I was a baby, I was the model for the Gerber baby food jar. <laughs> and I convinced these boys that I, that, I, that was me. And that my payment for being the baby model was to college tuition at any college I wanted in the land. If only Gerber was so kind. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't that crazy? I felt so ashamed of that life. But then I realized, you know, that was just so much about my own insecurities and my own longings and my wanting to impress these boys. I think that a lot of the lies I told as a kid were about that. Just those things I wanted other kids to think of me. Are there any lies in Wild? It's a literary work and it's also a work of nonfiction. Right. Are there things that you morphed together or conflated for the sake of advancing the story right. that you look back on and think, ah, oh, maybe... It would have been better if I'd have done that differently. That's a whole other long question. So I can say definitively, there are no lies in Wild, which is different from saying that everything in Wild is the truth. And here's what I mean by that, is I'm sure that I made mistakes of memory and fact. I really tried very hard not to tell. Uh, not, I certainly didn't tell any lies. A lie is something that you kind of knowingly are saying... I know this isn't true, and I'm going to try to make other people think it is. Right. That's a lie. You know, the reason I'm asking is it's so personal. Uh-huh. And, and there's so many characters involved who are still with us. Yeah. And then I'm thinking of your editor saying, well, you need to condense this, but you still want to get that story out. How do you take four characters who are important to your personal narrative and, and make them into what is digestible? Well, I never conflated characters. I think people do that sometimes legitimately. I decided not to do that. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is omit. If there are any lies in Wild, they're really lies of omission. Mm -hmm. So there were times I met somebody that I didn't write about in the book, you know, that there was a bigger story. But never, you know, I never left anyone out in a way that actually altered the, the truth of the journey. Like, I didn't hike the trail with somebody else and then decide to leave them out so I could say it was solo. <laughs> right, you know, right. it was always a, a more kind of incidental uh, omission rather than anything that significantly impacted. I mean, before Wild was published, I just was a wreck because I was so scared about this thing. You know, we we, we want to accuse memoirists of lying. You know, we mm-hmm. want to bust them, right? And I was also so worried that people... So I thought, well, what if I've accidentally gotten something terribly wrong? Or that people I've written about in the book are furious with me. Right. And I can tell you that nobody was like I've had really good connections with people who are they were able to hear these truths yeah and your your story about it well and and what I'm I guess what I'm getting at is you listen to other people's memoirs now all the time still with Dear Sugar you listen to many memoirs you read letters yeah do any of those ever reek of bullshit to you do they seem like ah this person I really like this story me and Steve want to do this letter but it's mm, doesn't quite ring true would you ever have to grapple with that yeah, a couple of times we've had letters like that. We don't they don't usually end up on the show. Yeah. But what's what's more interesting and happens more commonly is the lies we tell ourselves, you know, the stories we tell ourselves. So many letters from people who are in marriages or romantic partnerships, for example, will begin uh, my husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend is wonderful, like absolutely wonderful. But. And then <laughs> and then they go on and then they tell us some terrible thing that the person does or is. And you're just like, OK, well, maybe, you know, they're not so wonderful. Right. 
Have you ever told any lies about your identity? Oh, oh my goodness. I, ha I hate to tell you that I have. Okay, well, this is a bad thing, and I do not want either of you to ever do this. So, the legal drinking age is 21. Can you do something like that, too? No! <laughs> okay, listen, listen to Cheryl's story. The legal drinking age is 21. And when I was, like, 18, and I was a freshman in college, I wanted. To, I was in Minneapolis... And I wanted to go with my friends to this cool bar in downtown Minneapolis. So I found this this girl who was like a senior and a blonde like me. And I asked her if I could borrow her ID for the night. And I became her for the night. And so, but I'm such an idiot. I hand the, the bouncer my ID and he looks at it and he says, what year were you born? And I said, N 1965 <laughs> and he just starts laughing and sh shakes his head and hands it back and like then goes like this with my, his hand to like shoo me away like a fly oh you didn't get in didn't get in nope. didn't work I thank you so much for talking to us thank about you. lies Good oh night. my goodness I loved talking to you about lies uh, please will you let me be on your podcast again I, I loved it so much <laughs> I would love to have the two of you on my podcast someday I okay. think that would be really fun we could do like a I feel like we could do like a Rome School Dear Sugars podcast combo meetup a mashup you know what would be fun is like because Steve my co-host and I um give advice on our podcast we could do a thing where it's me and steve against the two of you and we we give advice so you you we each have the same problem presented to us and it's up to you guys to give the person advice and it's up to us to give the the person advice and we'll see who wins who judges well maybe jim well no he's biased i have to help my team oh yeah maybe your dad could be on the team he could we could see what he's got in terms of would you guys let me help you out sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. Sounds like a plan. comes wisdom. The original Dear Sugar was anonymous. We now know that the original was Steve Allman. But when he left the job, he appointed someone he trusted, a writer he admired. That's Cheryl. So she wrote the column anonymously until 2012 when she came out on the site that hosted the column, The Rumpus. This year, Cheryl turns 50. It's a milestone I've just tucked under my belt a few months ago. And here's where our favorite advice show host turned things around, though I pretty much kept the interview on the rails so far. Are you more honest at 50 than you were at 25? <sighs> yeah, I think that I had to grow into it. Mm -hmm. it's, it involves a lot of difficult growing pains to be an honest person. And just as you learn how to lie, you learn how to not lie. Yeah. It's that it's that thing where you learn the long-term consequences of the snowballing lie. You learn all of the things that can come back and the feelings that you have after you lie. So at 50, I think I lie less now. Yeah. Less. And you learn that the pain your lies can cost yeah. other people, yeah. right? And you still you still look back and... You learn to deal with it. Like you said, you don't just toss it into the ravine yeah. like you did your boots, but you rather carry it with you. And as a, it's a reminder to not mess with the truth. If you can be that strong person, yeah. it's an earned skill. It is. When was the last time you told a lie? <laughs> this has been so wonderful having you on the show, Cheryl. I appreciate it. <laughs> Let's tell us, tell get, us. You have a thing. We have a sound check to get to. So. When's the last time you told a lie? I'm not We're not going to let you off the hook. A white lie. You sell a white lie. I've gotten pretty good at putting myself in a truthful situation, so today I don't think I've had to lie. 
I lied. Yesterday? Oh, oh, Steve, our horse. <sighs> I lied to Steve. Yeah. <laughs> what did I you told say? Him, I said, "Don't worry, Steve. I won't close you in the barn again." And then Steve got closed into the barn. But I actually felt really bad about that because people trust horses because they don't have that. And they're smart. But they don't lie. And they probably they probably like were. No animal lies. No animal lies. Tell us the last True. time you lied to a. I can't remember. Ha, ha, ha. Probably had, there's somebody out there who wants something from me who I am not ready to give them what they want at this moment. And I maybe uh, to stop their feelings from being hurt. Kept the situation going longer than I should have because of that. This is a thing this that is, men do. Watch out. Well, this is the thing I was talking about with the girls, too, where you think like, well, I don't want to hurt the person's feelings by saying no. Mm-hmm. And then it can all kinds of bad things happen down that path. And a final quick conversation about another reason that people lie, to avoid being hurt, really hurt in some cases. Meet our friend Katie. As an adult, people will say like, oh, you, you lie so easily. You do it so well, like you're so straight-faced. You know, when you're doing a surprise for someone, you know, things kind of twist and turn. And at every turn, I always have a thing to say that will make sense or Keep whatever. Keep the ruse. Exactly. And, you know, I never say this, but it's like, well, because growing up, we had to be at the ready. In order to stay safe, we had to have reasonable explanations for things, or we had to be able to cover things up. I grew up with uh, my stepdad, who was super strict and really such a threat in our lives. There were a few times that we left him, like we'd move out in the dark of night type of situation. We would lie about where we were going or what we were doing because we were actually leaving him. And my mom tried to kind of like have us have some sort of like normal life. My middle sister is four years older than me. She was in eighth grade and she wanted to go to eighth grade dance. And we weren't allowed to do anything. And so my mom went and bought her a dress. And then basically we said something like, we're going to the grocery store. And we went to the dance and my mom and I sat in the parking lot for like four hours waiting for the dance to be over. And basically that was a lie so that we could get out the door. And we knew that we'd face repercussions on the other end because he would know that, that she'd gone to the dance. As we got older, my sister got kicked out of the house. She was 16 and she was living in her car. So we would sneak her into the house and she would sleep under my bed. Wow. Yeah. And so, especially when she was doing that, we would go meet up with her and have to lie about where we were going. He had a lot of rage. When he and my mom would get in a fire, he'd get mad at us, he would pick up furniture and throw it like an armchair. You'd walk into a room and everything would be trashed. We called the cops a few times and they were not helpful. We told so many lies, just trying to get a moment of normalcy, like going to Burger King. We needed one hour a week where we got to just like chill out and eat, eat, eat Burger King and you know, whatever. If we told the truth, we would get in trouble. And it was really scary. Whenever he would ask us a question, your first thing was like, what should I say? It was never like, oh, should I just tell him what happened? It was like, what what lie do I make up? You know, like, it was ne- you were always on edge, always on guard, because you never knew what was acceptable or unacceptable. There wasn't a distinct advantage of telling the truth either. Exactly, no, exactly. I mean, there was often a distinct disadvantage in telling the truth. It extended into 
uh, our social circles and our in our schools. Um, on my first day of my freshman year of high school, my homeroom teacher took me aside. She'd had my sister in her class and she just said, hey, how is everything at home? And I said, it's fine. She said, well, if you, if you ever need to talk, like I'm here. And I was just like, I don't know why you would ever think that. It's weird to try to protect, like, while you're trying to actively get out of that world, but also, like, somehow, like, keep it nuclear and, and insulated and not tell people about it, because somehow that's been conveyed. Right. You know, so... But it all starts with his lie. Yeah. His just faulty narrative to himself about how this is going to go down, how this is going to work. Yeah, and then our our belief of that narrative and adherence to that narrative, which is kind of the amazing part. You know, we, yeah. he had this narrative and some, at some point we bought into it, even though we were constantly trying to subvert it. When you talk about this stuff, it makes me think of prey animals thinking yeah. as one, you and your mom sort of having a connection here and being able to respond really quickly and in, in an agile way yes. to the aggressions. Yes. And there was a lot of coordination of lies between the three of us. Okay, where, where were we? What route did we drive there? How long did we stay there? Who was there? Who was not there before we got home? That kind of thing. When you've lied for survival, it just kind of seems unnecessary to lie for dumb things. You know, like for simple things. Yeah. And I've also found that like, actually in the real world, when you tell the truth, it's actually much simpler. And so as an adult, it's kind of like, well, why would you... Why would you go through all that? You That's know? what you had to do. And... Yeah, unless there's a surprise party at the end. Then great, you know, then, then wonderful, do it. But, you know, if not... You've got the skills. Yeah, I've got the skills. This episode is officially lie-free, although we have omitted a lot. And there is no surprise party at the end, just the credits and a request that if you have a few seconds, it would be great if you subscribed to Rome Schooled on iTunes, and it would also be wonderful if you visited our website, got involved, or dropped us a line. We love reading your letters. Thank you so much for listening to Rome Schooled. This episode was instigated by Veronica and Dana, put together, edited, produced, etc. by myself, the music by Wonderly. Much encouragement and expert help from Lydia Ritchie and Slater Smith from the great town of Sisters, Oregon. We will see you out there on the Rome and hope to hear from you soon. Have you ever told a lie? Mm. I remember I wrote a letter to my brother Dan when I was about 10. And I don't remember why, but I said, I'm, I'm worried about myself, Dan, because I'm lying. And he wrote me back. And he said, oh, Julie, honey, it's not good to lie. Don't do it. Whatever you can do to ever not lie, just take the risk and take the punishment because lying never turns out well in the end. Okay. You've maintained this sense of guilt for this long period of time. It still is something I carry with me on my shoulders. Yeah, that's really too bad. Mostly it slips from my memory. <laughs> Except when like you bring it up John Denver, in your pathologic guilt condition every four or five years. Oh, gee, I wonder where I got that pathologic guilt condition.
That's not even a thing. It's cold. I gotta go get the dog out. Would you do it differently now? Do you have a, a, yeah, a, a, a more? Yeah, do shot. <laughs> do you have an out that you use now that doesn't involve any other parties having to page you or call you? We do have to get home. Oh, you're telling me right now? You... <laughs> yeah, my dog. My dog. Your dog. Us. Yeah. They're yeah. at it again. <laughs> <laughs>